Welcome to Standard Chartered Money Insights, a podcast series by Standard Chartered Bank that brings you market views and insights on the go. Hello, everyone. My name is Zhong, and welcome to Through the Noise Podcast. Time flies. We are already two months into the year. It's fair to say that 2024 has opened on a strong note. Our growth-oriented foundation allocation has risen over 4%. Much of the gains have been driven by equities, while bonds have had a more muted start to the year. Naturally, one would ask, can gains in equities continue, especially given various all-time highs? To answer this and more, I've got with me a regular on the podcast, Manfred Gill, our Chief Investment Officer for Africa, Middle East and Europe. Welcome, Manfred. Let's start with the first question in my introduction. Equity markets have been on the tier, recording new highs. Can these gains, particularly in the US equity, continues? Hi, John. Uh, thanks for having me on. Um, indeed, I think when it comes to US equity markets, uh, the outlook is much debated. I think it's interesting that when you when you look at the optimist argument, uh, the argument, uh, the positive one at least, is that the underlying earnings fundamentals do look strong. Uh, the labor market in the U.S. so far does look re- uh, reasonably resilient, and there's an argument to be made that the Fed could consider preemptive rate cuts to head off a recession if inflation continues to soften. But as we know, pessimists, of course, have uh, argued that valuations are somewhat lofty. And the rally has been some, you know, uh, quite concentrated uh, amongst the technology leaders. You know, the magnif- magnificent six or seven, depending on your point of view. So I, I think what may be helpful here is some insights from the technology sector, which has, of course, led uh, the rally. Now, there's undoubtedly some merit to the view that earnings growth has been strong. We can see that the U.S. technology and communication services sectors rank amongst the top three sectors in terms of 2024 expected earnings growth. And of course, this follows about a 70% year-on-year surge uh, in Q4 earnings growth for the so-called Magnificent Six. Um, And I think it's also interesting that this is most probably why the technology sector gains are no longer just about falling bond yields, because you can see that relationship appears to have broken down somewhat uh, from late last year. So that earnings most probably uh, being a new source of, of gains. Now, a second insight might also come from investor positioning. Now, our own market diversity indicator continues to offer some warning that U.S. equities and particularly the technology sector do still face a two-thirds chance of a temporary pullback or consolidation. And we can see fund manager surveys also similarly showing uh, you know, falling cash levels, rising consensus on, on U.S. equity allocation overweights, um, and indeed mag- the Magnificent Six being potentially a, a crowded trade. So to pull all that together, I think on balance, we just believe risk rewards for now favors maintaining the overweight on U.S. equities in foundation allocations and maintaining our existing sector preferences for technology, communication services and healthcare when it comes to opportunistic allocations. So while there might very well be a risk of a temporary pullback or consolidation, uh, we believe the ongoing resilience in economic and earnings growth uh, supported by what are still strong margins should be sufficient to maintain uh, the market's momentum for now. I have a similar question for Japanese equities, which have also performed well uh, this year especially. And and conversely, Chinese equities, uh, which have performed uh, not not as good this year. Uh, The question is, are Chinese equities actually set for the rebound? uh, That's the second part of the question. Sure. No, I I think Japan, to some degree, is is a somewhat easier one to answer. I mean, I think... um, 
we're still overweight. And I think uh, what's interesting is that there's been a jump in stock buybacks, uh, which argues there's some substance behind the optimism about improving corporate governance reform. So that, along with relatively fewer short-term position concerns, is why we, we sort of maintain an overweight on Japanese equities. I think your question on China is more interesting. And I think I'd almost reframe that a little bit to say, okay, within Asia, Japan, there clearly seems to be a bit of a debate between the Chinese equities and whether those can rebound. And of course, the debate between whether to prefer Chinese or Indian equities, because potentially they're, they're a little bit of a mirror uh, for each other. Uh, in India, we've seen strong gains in, since the fourth quarter of 23. Uh, you know, a lot of optimism on the earnings outlook, but of course, high valuations. And Chinese equities, of course, more question marks about the growth outlook, but more unusually cheap valuations to offset that. Now, in China, I think markets are really looking towards policymakers for a catalyst. We've had many measures so far, but they've not sort of uh, revived equity market sentiment in a significant or sustained way. Um, but, you know, the Hang Seng's outperformance compared with global equity since its late January low does suggest that some investors believe policy support is now approaching a critical level. So I, I think what's interesting here is that the emergence of positive momentum that's what we'd watch in the short term, because that can be an important factor in driving Chinese equities higher in the short term. Uh, that's, I think, one key takeaway. And the second one, of course, is we have the upcoming National People's Congress and more sort of significant policy measures there could help sustain this, you know, the positive momentum we've seen so far. So I think on balance, um, you know, we just believe a neutral allocation is potentially still a good way to balance the risk and reward here uh, for Chinese equities. Um you know, for where uh, this neutral stance uh, helps balance what could be an unexpectedly rapid rebound, uh, given how bearish sentiment and positioning is. Uh, but of course, you know, that's something we could consider uh, raising exposure to, particularly if market momentum improves. And I guess balancing that with, on the other side, a neutral exposure to Indian equities, uh, which helps obviously maintain uh, exposure without taking an excessive amount, uh, given where valuations are. So that that's really how we how we look at that. Okay, maybe enough about equities. Um, Early on in my introduction, uh, I shared that bonds haven't had such a good start to the year. However, it seems like you still like the the yield there. Uh, What is your view uh, for bonds? Well, you're right. I think unlike the the very optimistic discussion on equities, bonds have actually faced a bit of a headwind at the start of the year from rising yields um, as we saw markets go through a repricing uh, about when the Fed is likely to start its rate-cutting cycle. However, the, the way we look at it is that the market's repricing actually now brings market expectations more in line with our own view, uh, which is that the Fed will start cutting rates, but only by mid-year. And we just think that's a much more reasonable outcome given you know the balance between the downside risk to growth, but the still persistent inflationary pressures as we've seen in recent data. So I think that helps explain where we are. But uh, looking forward, we do expect both growth and inflation to continue slowing in the coming quarters uh, as the impact of past Fed rate hikes starts to bite. Now, as the Fed starts cutting rates, high-quality bonds are likely to offer an attractive risk-reward. So that's why we still would con- would look at the recent backup in yields as offering a renewed opportunity to, to raise exposure where that might make, make sense. And I think this is particularly a particularly important conversation, not only relative to other major asset classes, but particularly relative to cash. Uh, Just as a piece of context, I mean, history shows us that, you know, U.S. dollar cash returns failed to beat inflation in four out of the past six decades, regardless of how high the starting yield level was. So I think that particularly in terms of, you know, adding exposure to bonds, uh, trying to offer greater protection versus inflation uh, and trying to mitigate reinvestment risk, we've got another opportunity to do that today. Thanks for the insightful response, Manpreet, as usual. 
Um, so uh, I also like to take the opportunity to highlight some of the key takeaways for this week's podcast. I think the first one is that we remain overweight global equities and foundation allocations, and that is led by US and Japan on the back of resilient earnings growth. And the second point is that we remain overweight high-quality government bonds, the pushback in the market expectations of the Fed, of the Fed first likely rate cuts back to June now fits a little bit more with our own view, and that makes current bond yields attractive once again. And lastly, an opportunistic uh, allocation remain overweight U.S. technology, communication services, and healthcare sectors, as earnings in these sectors are likely to outperform the broader market this year. That's really all the time we have for this week. Uh, thank you so much for, for listening from start to end. Uh, as of usual, uh, have a wonderful weekend ahead. Cheers. Thank you for listening to Standard Chartered Money Insights, a podcast series by Standard Chartered Bank. For more details, visit Market Views on the Go on our website or click the link in the description.